Hey, uh, this is something you should never not celebrate. Congratulations to you all. Um, unbelievable effort all season long. You guys are f***ing incredible. All right, and enjoy the sh** out of this tonight. How sweep it is, the Toronto Blue Jays sweep the Boston Red Sox in one of the final series of the season to complete a absolutely dominant season series against Boston, the worst team in baseball. The Blue Jays go 16-3. It is the most single season wins they have ever had against one team in franchise history. Jacob, we don't have Bryson with us this week, but I'm sure he would enjoy the fact that the Red Sox are terrible just as much as we enjoy it. How are you? Well, both of Bryson and I, we predicted a sweep. What did we get? I, I'll be honest, I just threw that prediction out there. I didn't. I thought they were going to win it, but I'll take it. And you know what? We were talking about this before the game, and a Blue Jays win followed by a Rays loss means the Blue Jays are guaranteed a top two wildcard spot. Do we care about that second wildcard spot? No, but... Blue Jays just won. Rays have two on in the top of the ninth with one out, but they are down three to one to the Astros. So it's close. see how that one goes. I, th- I think if I'm not mistaken, they can clinch home field tomorrow if all things yeah. go correct. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing for tomorrow. But basically, Blue Jays are in a very good spot. They're controlling their own destiny and they're getting things done. It's it, it's I think this is the perfect scenario for them to be in. And now you take one of three from the Orioles at the absolute worst case. And I think you're still in a very good position to host that series. Yeah. I'm kind of looking like a loon now for my prediction of (laughs) last series. I said two or three, you were both right with predicting a sweep for the blue Jays, but yeah, I mean, things are shaping up well and we discussed it last time. The blue Jays needed to win four out of six games to be very comfortably hosting that final or that wild card series in Toronto and it is shaping up that way. They've got three out of the four wins already and they have three games left to get one more win. So obviously just one more win does not guarantee it. You mentioned kind of the magic number there. The magic number for being a top two wild card seed is one. You referring to that if the Tampa Rays lose as they are on path to do right now. There's two outs top of the ninth so We'll know very quickly what the result of that game is unless it goes to extras. But um, the magic number for home field advantage for the Blue Jays is three. They need a combination of Mariners losses, Blue Jay wins. Um, The Blue Jays obviously made one step towards it today with another win against the Red Sox. And the Mariners are still in the early innings of their games. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out before we get to the Jays to the Mariners for that incredible moment they had with Cal Raleigh walking it off to clinch their first postseason berth in more than two decades. Um, Incredible baseball moment. You can't watch that as a baseball fan, as a sports fan, as a person with emotions and not get excited and at least a little bit of emotional um, watching that. So just wanted to mention that, get that out of the way. Um, There is a lot of good things to talk about from this series and not a lot of bad things to talk about from this series. It is pretty darn close to a perfect series for the Blue Jays. They outscored the Red Sox 19-0 to 
in the first two games. And obviously the Red Sox avoid the series shutout um, in the final game by scoring three runs, but the Blue Jays still win 6-3. So I guess I'll just open the floor to you, Jacob. What is, I guess, your maybe not your favorite part of this series, but the most encouraging part of this series for you? Like what's the the most encouraging takeaway that you have from these three games watching the Blue Jays, you know, whether it's your favorite player performance or something that you saw with the team overall? Well, I think the most important thing right now is you need to get hot before the playoffs start. Now you have three games before it, and surprisingly, Blue Jays are getting hot. You know, Bo Bichette still on that ridiculous streak, and he's hitting like 420-something or, or 340, whatever it is, in the 420s or 430s throughout the last month, that's absolutely lutely ridiculous. You see George Springer with a home run, Teoscar Hernandez with three home runs this series. Everybody on the offensive side of things seems to be doing what they need to be do, need to be doing. And even Whit Merrifield, another fantastic series out of him. And then even you look at things like the starting rotation. Game one, you shut them out, obviously, so that's the, the, the big headliner there. But Alec Manoa was six shutout innings, so he guarantees... I mean, I guess maybe not guarantees yet because maybe he has one more game going on, but every single game this season, he has pitched five innings or more, and he's in the top 10, I think even top five of innings pitched in all of baseball, and he's still within the top 10 of whip, say, whip, uh, ERA, all these important stats that you want for a pitcher. He is doing fantastic, and even Yusei Kikuchi, you look at him, a three-inning save, which for those of you that don't know, even if you're blowing a team out, you can throw three innings and still get a save as a reliever. Then you look at Ross Stripling. Again, his final tune-up before the this, this season ends. Six innings, only four hits allowed. Very, very good outing. Zero runs, three strikeouts. So I guess the strikeouts were a little bit low, but another quality start out of Ross Stripling. And then even today, Kevin Gosman, he was doing well, but unfortunately, and we'll get to this later, had to leave the game early. Bullpen came in. You see Zach Pop with surprisingly like many comebackers right at his face and just general body area and he was able to get the get the guys out with some just ridiculously good catches but he goes two shutout innings you see Adam Simber do what he's expected to do a shutout inning Anthony Bass did have a run charge to him an earned run charge to him but you see the entire bullpen then you had Garcia and Romano everybody seems to be clicking at the absolute best time and you sweep the Red Sox we talked about this I we either talked about this on the on air or off air but the Blue Jays going into this series against the Red Sox and then that final series against the Orioles need to, at best, go 4-2 and two, or, at worst, go 4-2 and two if I you want I mentioned wanna... that at the start of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Garen, yeah. So, well, I was, but I, I just wanted to clarify. Clearly we not. Were... Well, I just wanted to clarify when we discussed it. We discussed it before the series off-air. So, yes, you mentioned, anyways. Uh, they need to go, at worst, 4-2. and two, And now, you know, you're looking at it. They just won three games. Things are looking very, very good for them. And and at this point, you have a series against a team that is out of it. The Orioles really are just playing for pride at this moment. You know, no offense to them. But you are now going into that final series with confidence that all or confidence in two of your starters that they're going to be dominant. Almost certain confidence in one of your starters that he's going to be able to make that start and be dominant. Your offense is heating up. Your relievers are showing that they know what they're doing. Honestly, that's just the biggest thing that I can take away here is this team is clicking on just all cylinders and even the defense today. There was a few plays. Bo Bichette had one up the middle or in his area where he bobbled the ball and then Whit Merrifield covering somehow grabs the ball out of the air and throws the guy out. Like everything seems to be going well for this team right before the playoffs. And 
I know technically they're not a division leader, they're not the highest seed in the American League or the AL East or anything, but you get into the playoffs at the right time when you're hot and, and anything can, I think, change for this team. That's where I'm really looking forward to is you now have three games. Let's pray Jose Barrios has a good start. Let's pray Mitch White, who I believe is slated to start one of the games. I think one of the announcers mentioned that today, that he's going to start a game. And then we don't know, I guess, maybe it'll be Manoa, but we don't know. Well, we know for a, sh- for a fact that we'll see Barrios and Mitch White, but at this point, the the foot is not off the gas pedal yet, but you can, I think, rest a lot more assured knowing that when you go to Baltimore, it's it's an easier time going into it, knowing that you have all these guys heating up and that really this is just playing for getting into the playoffs and, or getting into the positioning that you want and then hoping that the start of the week ends well and in the sense that you get your positioning and then the end of the week ends well in the sense that you are playing at home in front of whatever it is, 46,000 fans in, in a playoff series. The Tampa Bay Rays just lost to the Houston Astros. So the Blue Jays have clinched one of the first two wildcard spots. Not that that really means much at this point because the third wildcard spot is better than the second wildcard spot. So maybe the Blue Jays are digging a little bit of their own grave here. But um, yeah, it's awesome. There's so many good things to talk about from this series. And my personal favorite takeaway, um, I think, think is I mean it's hard to narrow it down to a single player but I'm gonna put it on Teoscar Hernandez the series that he just had is absolutely ridiculous he homered twice today he homered yesterday and had two doubles ridiculous numbers absolutely ridiculous and I mean, we've talked about it all year. Teoscar Hernandez is one of those players on the Blue Jays who hasn't had the best of seasons. It hasn't been, you know, the silver slugger caliber season that we've seen from him in years past. Not to say that he's had a bad season. He's still hitting 267, 25 home runs. And, you know, talking about his OPS over the last week, 10 days, he's certainly been up there, but it doesn't totally compare to what he's done in the past, certainly last year. But to see him heating up now, and that's a big part, now is really encouraging because this is when the Blue Jays need it. And not just him. Again, like he's the guy I would like to single out as the most encouraging part of this week. But you go down the list. Whit Merrifield, Danny Jansen, George Springer. like All these guys, Bo Bichette staying hot. All these guys are going to play a huge role when you get to the playoffs. And the fact that they are hot, staying hot, or in some players' cases, getting hot for one of the first times this year. Like... It's awesome. It's it's so encouraging to see that happen. And just to give you the exact numbers, over his last seven games, Teoscar Hernandez has a slash line of 393, 393 for OBP as well. He has identical average and OBP and a slugging of 929. And that is awesome. There's no other word for it. It's awesome. Um, that's probably my biggest offensive takeaway. I think like you can pick out other guys, Danny Jansen, obviously, as well. And Whit Merrifield is a guy I want to talk about because, I don't know, we saw what he could do in Tampa Bay, and then it seemed like he kind of fizzled out a little bit there. And not like terribly so, but I think he really demonstrated, especially in today's game, why he is an important part of this team and why he can make an influence when the Blue Jays are in the playoffs. And um, I guess just to throw it back to you, we were talking about this off-air a little bit. Um, Santiago Espinal 
is looking like he is going to be back with the Blue Jays by the time they enter the playoffs, whether he gets time in the Baltimore series to, you know, just get a couple of bats under him or whether he gets thrown straight into the fire in the playoffs, it opens the question of who gets playing time in the playoffs. If both Whit Merrifield, who is now all of a sudden hot and one of the best hitters at the bottom of the Blue Jays lineup, if he's in the field, it's obviously taking time away from Santiago Espinal, who in the past has been a really key part of this team. Um, how do you spread the love around? How do you give playing time to both of these guys when they're both potentially impactful guys offensively with one of them being very impactful right now? Yeah, see, that's what's tough. And even I know Lourdes Gurriel Jr., he's not as close, but where do you throw him in? Because, you know, you're seeing what they have right now and it's it's working in the outfield. But Well, it's I think tough. you take think... Tapia out. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like, it's Tapia's not Tapia's as... been good, but not... I think not good enough to stop you from replacing him with Lourdes. Yeah, that the outfield's not as big. I just wanted to also mention that because that's someone we all are also need to consider. But I think, and we'll see if people agree or disagree with me on this, but I think you do need to give Whit Merrifield at least the first game or two in the just just in the starting lineup. You know, whether you want to DH him or put him in the in the infield, I think you absolutely need to give him a spot in that starting lineup and. It's not to take away from Santiago Espinal. It's more to not take away from Whit Merrifield because you cannot reasonably say that he is not your, one of your best guys right now. And Espinal easily could do that too. But I think you got to give Whit Merrifield a chance to start in, in, I would say at least two of those three games in the wildcard series, wherever it is. At least in the you know the grand scheme of things, you can still have him on the roster as Santiago Espinal. That is even if he's not playing. Like, he can be a defensive replacement. He can come in. Like, just because he's not in the starting lineup doesn't mean he will not play. Like, we even saw that. This is going to be a distant memory for a lot of people, but he was not in that opening day lineup against the Texas Rangers. But he eventually came in, and I think he drove in a run with a double or something like that, made a few good defensive plays. Like, you can work with him in that sense. And and that's where I think we'll see things go, is even if... If he's ready for game 162 or at any point in this Baltimore series, he will get a start, no matter where it is, most likely second base. But he will get a start, just that final tune-up before the playoffs. But I still think you give it to Whit Merrifield for the, at least the first game, and then you you know, you know reevaluate and, and see what goes on throughout the rest of the series. Because right now, you know, at the end of the day, you need to put out your best players. And Whit Merrifield is one of your best players and he will be the one of the key contributors in the playoffs at least at least this last couple weeks will prove to, that to you so he's what you need to see in the in that starting lineup and it's it's tough because you don't want to have somebody who's not going to play on your playoff roster but you need to have Santiago Espinal there but you also need to have Whit Merrifield there and I guess it's a good problem to have because who wouldn't want to have this many these many good players on your roster and I think that's just kind of where it is. It's not really the the fanciest of answers. It's really just Whit Merrifield is one of your best players right now, and he needs to play in a playoff series. And you can still go with Espinal. I mean, we don't really see him at third base anymore, but well, actually, we won't see him at third base anymore at all because of Matt Chapman. But we don't see. Point is that you can fit him in at places. You know, if it's late in the game, you need somebody to just play. You can do that. I mean, we're we're seeing that even with the DH spot right now. Like whenever Alejandro Kirk 
is catching, you know, say Manoa, game one. Manoa, it seems as if Manoa is going to pitch game one. Kirk will catch. If Danny Jansen's as hot as he is right now, you got to have him as your DH. You can do that same thing with Espinal. If if Whit Merrifield's doing well, you can still have Espinal play, just in a different fashion. And so, it's probably what we'll see. you got to give Whit Merrifield the opportunity to play, because he's earned it. It's the first time he'll actually be in the playoffs, which I don't think people realize. He came up with the Royals in 16, I think it was, or 17. So, he's not seen the playoffs ever and right now if I'm Whit Merrifield I'm more fired than up than ever to get in playoff action and help a team contribute to winning a world series so it's got to be Whit Merrifield I do think we'll see Espinal if he's not ready to play then I guess that makes it a little bit easier to answer but assuming he's ready for game one I think he'll be on the bench for that game and then in some fashion will be in either the starting lineup or just somewhere some playing somewhere throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, I agree with you. You got to go with Merrifield. And honestly, like, I don't even know if like, yes, Espinal is helpful to this team. And of course you're going to put him on the postseason roster, assuming he's healthy, but I don't think you really have to force him into playing time. If Whit Merrifield is good, like in a perfect world, Whit Merrifield keeps this up and you never play Santiago Espinal except as potentially a defensive replacement late in innings or a pinch hitter if you need him somewhere. Um, in my mind, that should be the only way he is used now. Of course, that's dependent on Whit Merrifield staying as hot as he is right now. And the Oakland Athletics, by the way, just hit a home run, so they're winning 1-0 over the Seattle Mariners. So the Blue Jays one step closer, potentially, to having home field advantage. Um yeah, like, I, I don't think the Blue Jays should force Santiago Espinal into playing time just because he's there and just because they want to use him. If Whit Merrifield is good, don't play Santiago Espinal. And it's not just the fact that, you know, overall, I think Whit Merrifield is a better player because I think, honestly, this season, probably Santiago Espinal has had better numbers overall this year. Certainly with the Blue Jays, you know, we talked before this week, before he went on that tear in Tampa Bay, Whit Merrifield was hitting below 200 with the Blue Jays, but... When you consider the factors now, the fact that Whit Merrifield is one of the hottest players on the team, the fact that Santiago Espinal has potentially not swung a bat for two weeks and is going to be rusty coming off the bench and getting activated just for, I mean, a maximum of three games, getting a maximum of, what, 10, 12 at-bats before he enters the postseason, like... I, I don't I don't want the Blue Jays to force it. If Whit Merrifield is hot, he should be the guy who's getting that playing time. And I don't care if Santiago Espinal is upset that he's not playing in the postseason, but Whit Merrifield, if he's a better player, if he is hot, I don't want to see what Santiago Espinal has to offer. And that's, again, not being rude to Espinal because he's a great player. He was phenomenal for the Jays this year. An all-star. Um, but you got to roll with the hotter hand. This is not the time to play around and get everyone in on the game it's the time to buckle down and play your best players and play who's hot and win the game in the end so that's how I view that issue again not really an issue because you got lots of talent in your hands and um not not it's a good problem to have um and I will say as one last note like there is a potential we talk about cycling Raymel Tapia out of the outfield for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. if he comes back um, there's also the potential to cycle Tapia out for Merrifield in the outfield and have, I guess you might put Teo in left and Merrifield in right, or you can really swap him around however you want. But that's another possibility that the Blue Jays could pursue as well if they'd like, because 
Um, again, keeping Merrifield's bat in the lineup is going to be very important. And it gets complicated then if you have Guriel back and you have Espinal back, and then you're kind of floundering all over the place to find playing time for these guys. But again, play who's hot and the problem solves itself. So that's how I'm viewing this. Um, okay, let's talk about one of, I guess, the bad things from this series. I think you referenced it a little bit. Um, Oakland Athletics just hit another home run. It's now 3-0. Uh, Kevin Gosman exited his start early, and it appeared at the time that he left the game that he was dealing with a blister. And I don't know about you, Jacob, but whenever I hear the word blister, I get instant PTSD to Aaron Sanchez and how it... I, this might be an over-exaggeration, but basically ruined his career with the Blue Jays, right? Like, he was... Phenomenal. He had that 2016 season where he led the American League in earned run to average and then got a blister and seemed like he was never himself after that. And whether 2016 was just a fluke outside of the blister issue or whatever, but um, it seems, at least from my perspective, that it kind of ruined his career with the Blue Jays. So whenever I hear the word blister, I get very scared. But we thankfully learned after the game from John Schneider and the Blue Jays announced partway through the game that he had a cut on his middle finger and it wasn't a blister. And John Schneider said that if this wasn't, you know, right towards the end of the season where they need him in the playoffs and a potential wildcard series, that they would have kept him in the game because it ultimately wasn't all that serious and they were just being very precautionary. So that's obviously very encouraging, but um, I, I guess I don't really want to entertain the world in which Kevin Gosman is not available for the wildcard series because then you're talking about whether Manoa is going in that series or not. You have no choice but to throw Jose Barrios. And then you, I mean, potentially if Manoa is not available, you walk into a situation where you got a bullpen day in a must-win game. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it, thank goodness it's not serious. And thank goodness the Blue Jays were taking precautions and we're going to be crossing our fingers and hoping that his finger is all right for the wild card series. Yeah, I mean, well, we talk about getting hot at the right time. That could be the instant Blue Jay killer. Like, that would, honestly, no disrespect to Jose Barrios, but you are not pitching in this wild card series. Like, at best, you're getting division series or championship or world series, but you are not pitching when losing one game puts you at the face of elimination. Uh, it's, uh, I'll be honest with you, I was terrified when I first heard this news, and I think he pitched the second inning, I think it was, was his, it was, so he pitched, so he pitched three innings, in the second inning he felt it, came back out, and then left the dugout, or left the field, went into the dugout after that, because he felt something, and I think it was when he threw a slider, initially when he felt it, or something like that, basically, his finger wasn't, just standard stuff, his finger wasn't feeling great, didn't know what was going on, terrified everybody i won't lie it was trending on twitter for quite a little bit of time there but luckily it is not what it appeared to be which is a you know, devastating blister and a blister i say devastating because it's just the absolute worst timing like yeah he leaves the game but if it say it is a bad blister i don't know if a week is enough to heal that or enough to figure everything out and get him ready to pitch six seven innings in the playoffs but luckily it's just as john schneider said a cut Let's hope that that's all it ends up being. And I know just a few minutes ago or less than an hour ago, Keegan Matheson tweeted that 
it's you know, what I just said. It's a cut. He's going to do some treatment throughout the week, and he's expected to be fine for the postseason, which I'm pretty sure everybody's going to say that. You know, at this point, let's hope he's okay. No, nobody wants to admit that, yeah, one of our aces is down, but it's looking like he's okay for the playoffs. And I think it's fair to say that he'll pitch game two or three. You know, we talk, I talked about this a little bit earlier. John Schneider's kind of. Is it game two? How does how does it line up? I guess is my question. Because if whoever, in theory, whoever went, I get never mind. I guess it doesn't really depend on rest because this was his last regular season game, regardless, right? Well, that's true. But the thing is, is I, I think John Schneider. I think it was Buck Martinez mentioned that John Schneider was asked. Somebody mentioned this that he was asked who's going to pitch game one, and he indirectly said it was Manoa. Manoa so I'm okay. just thinking Manoa game one and then realistically yeah. I know I said stripling but let's be realistic here for a second <laughs> okay uh, wow we got well, you to admit it well, finally no, I mean, that, like, that was a dumb prediction well it's a, it was a good prediction but people are no it was people people in charge of the not, decisions it's not right it's not right so obviously automatically it's a bad prediction people in charge of the decision have admitted that it's going to be Manoa so then my in game one so then my logical <laughs> prediction would be Gosman game two and then Stripling game three if needed there so there you go you finally today's come around su- to the, the bright side uh, sort of anyways <laughs> it's Sunday so he leaves the game Sunday six days leads you to next Saturday or Sunday game three I think he's okay by that point if if all the reports are saying that it's just a cut he'll do some treatment it's fine he's done for the regular season I think it's fine and he only pitched three innings so it's if he went five or six innings and you realize, oh shoot, this got worse as the game went on, then I'd be a little more concerned. But thankfully, all the initial panicking basically was for nothing, and it looks like he'll be ready for the playoffs. And I don't even want to imagine what would happen if he's not ready. Because say in theory he's, but, but yeah, you know what? <laughs> I was going to, but let's not do that. that. We're Blue Jays have their top two pitchers in game one and two. Let's just be happy with that. Let's just be happy that it is just. A very very minor issue and hopefully he's ready to pitch game two yeah um i know it wasn't a blister but in the world that it is like blisters are something you got to catch early on like if you are preventative about it and aware that it's happening and something you're dealing with like if you're keeping track of it and catch it before it really flares up you're fine if it gets to the point of flaring up and becoming an issue then it's a long-term issue. It becomes a big problem. And we know, I think Aaron Sanchez had surgery on his fingernails to deal with, like, it can get out of hand fast. So, um, yeah, thankfully it's not that, and thankfully the Blue Jays have been paying attention to it and seems like it's not a big deal, and we're not going to have to entertain a world where Kevin Gosman is not available for the wildcard series, which hopefully will be at the Rogers Center if all goes as planned as things stand now. Um... Okay, let's also talk a little bit about the celebration because this was a lot of fun. Last time we spoke on Thursday, the Blue Jays clinched with the Orioles losing to, I think it was the Astros at that point, but the Blue Jays had had no chance to celebrate because they weren't playing Thursday. And it was kind of an awkward situation where you go into this game and you know you've clinched and you know you're going to celebrate after the game, but you also have a chance of losing against the Boston Red Sox. Thankfully, the Blue Jays won. They made the celebration easier on themselves by blowing out Boston 9-0. to And the celebration afterwards was just... I, I It felt like a reward for years of struggling as an organization, as a team 
as a fan base, it felt like a vindication of all that. And I know it's only a wild card berth and I know it's not actually the end goal and there's still more to play for, which we've been saying all year, but it felt really, really good. And, you know, after years of surviving off the memories of, you know, Jose Bautista and Edward Canacion and, you know, Deonor Navarro in a Toronto police cap and smoking a cigar on the <laughs> Toronto field. Like I, after years of surviving off those memories and those pictures, we finally get a new team to rally around, new memories to build, new pictures to send as memes for years to come. So that's incredible. And I just want to ask you, what was your favorite part of all of this? Like we got a lot of content out of this, a lot of videos from the Blue Jays social media team. We know Hazel May was in the clubhouse and interviewing every player under the face of the sun, and she's a champ for the way she reported on that. It could not have gone better. It was an incredible broadcast, incredible 15, 20, 30 minutes of Hazel May walking around the Blue Jays clubhouse with champagne in her eyes and not knowing who she's interviewing <laughs> at some point. She was talking to Yusei Kikuchi and she didn't realize who she was talking to. At the end of it, she said, I think that was Yusei. <laughs> she didn't know for sure because she couldn't see because her eyes were covered in champagne. Anyways, I'm curious what your favorite moment from that celebration was. I think I know what it is based off our conversations, but I'm curious what it is. So my favorite PG moment, because first of all, it was okay, funny. Like well. nothing... <laughs> Nothing was censored on that that broadcast. That was hilarious. But I think my favorite PG moment, it's for a player that you just mentioned, Yusei Kikuchi. Very, very up and down season. Very brutal season. And when they went to take all the pictures, they went to do celebrations in the clubhouse. I can't remember who it was, but it, one of the relievers grabbed him and basically brought him in. Or one of the starters. Somebody brought him in and they all took pictures and basically treated him as if as if he was Jordan Romano having the best season of his career. And I think if that doesn't tell you enough about this team, then I don't know what will. But I have a few moments that I like about this that were just quite funny. I mean, the Okay, the tell the non-PG one. I, th I think I know what it is. <laughs> Wait, what do you think it is? I Just from the images you've been sending, I'm assuming it's the Jordan Romano with a dart <laughs> in his mouth. Okay, so yes, it's that. Well, okay, it's that. We it, yes, that was absolutely hilarious <laughs> because I love all the memes that are coming out of that. It's also and... apparently... So I learned... I, I guess I was just scrolling through the Jays Reddit and I think the Blue Jays social media team posted that picture and then <laughs> deleted it instantly because they realized that Jordan Romano had a dart <laughs> in his mouth. Uh, so I guess it was unintentional and here we are. And now we've got this golden picture of Jordan Romano smoking a dart in the Blue Jays clubhouse. Well, he didn't even have a whole, like one whole cigarette. He had a whole pack in his hand. That was absolutely hilarious. And I think apparently he was giving them out to teammates and <laughs> it was i think that was the absolute for the record thing. we do not endorse lung cancer i should have mentioned that too. that's it was a funny moment it's funny in the sense that like i can laugh at it but it's not funny because it's terrible for you but i think that was it was it was funny to watch just and and funny to have that come out i think but i think the other part that i really liked uh probably at the very beginning you see john schneider giving that little that little speech before it i think that was definitely a good moment funny moment to hear things that were not censored but it just shows you that this team is very very happy with who they are and it's a tight-knit group and i think if anything if a team could get hot and do four more celebrations like that i think it's the blue jays and it's looking like it's going to be a great team and another thing i'll mention 
they won the second game of that series. They didn't come out yeah. and and have, you know, hangover, like a metaphorical or real hangover. I mean, I don't know about that, but they went out and they won that game in dominating fashion. And Ross Stripling, apparently he didn't stay too, too late. Apparently, I think he reportedly left quite early just to get prepared for that start. But I think the best part is, is we can sit, sit here and laugh about everything that happened and celebrate everything that happened. But then we can also celebrate a 10 to nothing win in the next game. Yeah, because I have memories of 2015 where they clinch in Baltimore in the lineup. I think they were in Tampa Bay the next day or something like that. Or maybe that was 2016. I don't know. But the lineup. No, it couldn't have been 2016 because in 2016 they clinched. I think it was last couple days of the season in Boston. Anyway, so 2015 they clinch in Baltimore and then they go to Tampa Bay. And the lineup is just atrocious. Um, You know, nothing resembling a competitive major league lineup. And, you know, that's okay if you're not playing for anything at that point and the Jays to be honest weren't really playing for much they were already ALEs champs um but with the Blue Jays still playing for something here they still have more to accomplish it was really great that we don't kind of you know have this bad taste in our mouths after the fact of yeah this celebration was awesome but they ended up losing and you know a month down the line, we may regret they didn't have home field advantage and they lost in the wild card, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't have to worry about any of that because they ended up winning the next game and the game after that. And now it's just an afterthought. So that's definitely a, one of the highlights from this. So um, I think my favorite moment, I have a couple moments, I kind of gave one of them away, just watching Hazel May navigate that entire situation. Um, I think the moment with Yusei Kikuchi where she didn't recognize who he was, I think there was a moment she was interviewing Kevin Biggio and someone else was with him. I don't know, but Kevin starts the interview. He's very serious looking Hazel May dead in the eyes and cracks open a champagne bottle and pours it over her head. <laughs> well, maintaining eye contact and being very intently focused on the question she's asking. So that was a funny moment that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I think when they, they went on the field to take the team picture, that was also cool. And, you know, uh, I really like that they celebrated with the grounds oh, crew. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And you talk about, you know, with Yusei Kikuchi being brought into the celebration when he might not feel totally at home in that environment, given his role with the team this year. Um, I, I I think the fact that they celebrated with Yusei Kikuchi and they celebrated with the grounds crew, it just goes to show how tight-knit this clubhouse is and how much of a great atmosphere the Blue Jays and you know, Charlie Montoyo and John Schneider have built in the clubhouse and off the field that this is really an environment where everyone is welcome, everyone can have fun, everyone can celebrate no matter their contributions to the team this year. So that was a really cool moment. I thought it was really special to see the players valuing guys who might not always get the most intent, uh, attention but are certainly a very important part of how this club and how this stadium ticks in terms of the ground crew. So that was very cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There was a lot of awesome little moments from this that I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, lots of expletives that seeped their way into the broadcast. Um, I'd be curious to see what the, the fines are from the CRTC after that because <laughs> there was quite a few. John Schneider, I think, had three. And then, Jacob, you were just pointing out, I think Romano had one. I'm sure there's other interviews that <laughs> they slipped yeah. in somewhere. 
Yeah, I don't think you can read off the one that I just said. No, I was, was looking at, I was looking at your comment in the Zoom chat about to read it. I was like, mm, yeah, maybe I let's was, not do that. I was praying you wouldn't read that. That would, oh man. But uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think, what else did I like about it? Um, there was a lot of good moments. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of memes as well. Like Raymel Tapia selfie <laughs> has already been turned into an iconic moment. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't, all, all I'll tell you is if this is the wild card clinching party, yeah. <laughs> if they clinch any, if they win the World Series, oh man, we're probably like that. That'll be, that'll be something. I think we'll probably see someone like, probably see somebody on the streets of Toronto. Probably the whole team there doing something. But it's, oh man, I don't know. I think you, we kind of covered it all. It was just a great, great atmosphere. And like I said earlier, the best part is, is they took care of business in the next game. No matter what you do. You can have as much fun as you want. I really don't care. Well, I, I care in the sense that it's entertaining to watch, but I'm happier that they were able to get the job done because it shows that this team, yeah, they're young. Yeah, they're kind of kids, but they're still mature enough to know that we still have a job to do. They did their job on Saturday, did the job on Sunday. They're almost there. They can almost celebrate in front of 50,000 people. And one more moment I want to point out is... There was a reel that the Blue Jays posted of Laddie dancing. And I think it's the most incredible video I've ever seen. So that's another thing we can add to the list of awesome moments. Um, okay, I think that wraps up everything to talk about from this series. There's one final regular season series in Baltimore against the Orioles. We've been over the probable starting pitchers. We've talked about the importance of this series. Jacob, how do you think it will shake out for the Blue Jays? I'm going to see, here's the thing. If the Blue Jays win tomorrow and they end up clinching home field advantage, then it really doesn't matter what they do in those last two games. But that is true. I think so. Like what I mean by that is say they win. You can throw out like Danny Jansen to pitch. No one really cares. Like in that, in that <laughs> second game. Okay. Like... Hopefully not that. Cause I don't want to see him get injured. Like Ryan yeah. Goins did when no. he pitched. Okay. Yeah. True. Um, I have a feeling I think they're going to take two of three. I don't think they'll sweep. I think there will be at least one game where they're like, okay, whatever. We'll just finish the season off after we've clinched, but or assuming they clinch. But I think, you know what? Two of three, considering you have Jose Brios and Mitch White pitching, is I think that's as big as a win as anybody can expect. But I think you'll take two of three. And then I think they'll take the first game. I think they'll take tomorrow. That's what I mean. I think they'll eventually clinch and then... At that point, it's like, okay, let's just throw guys out there, get the final regular season tune-ups in, and then be prepared for Friday afternoon. I'll go two of three with you, and Bryson also put in his series prediction. It is two of three, so it is a sweep of our predictions in all predicting two of three. I think, uh, like, as much as I don't trust Jose Brios at all, I think they'll win that game. And as much as I don't trust Mitch White, I think they'll, they'll have a an okay shot of winning that game. And then I guess the big wild card is the final game of the series. If the Blue Jays have already locked up home field advantage, then things get iffy because then they're not really playing for anything. Maybe that's a game where they try to get, you know, Gurriel, if he's healthy in time, they try to get him in. If they try to get um, Santiago Espinal, some of bats, like maybe like the final two games of this series are when that really starts in full swing. So I don't know. It's, Two of three. I, I think it's an easy prediction to make. Um, okay, one final regular season series, and then we're into the postseason. I do want to mention, I don't think we've talked about, 
our plans for postseason coverage so far, but um, what we're planning as things stand now, obviously this is subject to change, but we will be recording an episode after the conclusion of every single game the Blue Jays play in the postseason. So we'll be doing an episode on either Wednesday night or Thursday as a wrap-up of the Orioles series and then a preview of the first round of the playoffs and then every single game. And then in between series, we'll be doing a series wrap-up and series preview at the same time. And hopefully in a perfect world, we'll be getting some guests on from other podcasts of other teams to give you guys a little bit of a snippet into what that other team is like information that we're not privy to get a little preview of them before we go into the series so that's all in the works but for now three games against baltimore and we will catch you at the end of the regular season and the day before the postseason starts